Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party for episodes three and four, Lake Town City! Lake Town City! It's gonna be me. <laughs> it's a joke that will be at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes, we're training you to listen uh, for the end of the episode because we're gonna include some little bloops Some bloops. There you go. <laughs> well, I have so much to ask and to talk about. These were some action-packed episodes. Is Emily evil? There's just a lot to discuss. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is talk first about uh, like player questions that we have um, for each other, for Eric, a little group discussion, and then move into your questions for each of the episodes and for the world and our characters in general. Um, and I think Spoily Corner may come back. What did I call it the first time? Yeah, that sounds right. It was just like eyes emoji corner. Yes, or exactly. It's the mm, I don't know corner. Who can really say? Who can say and corner? truly, my favorite thing listening back to it was that I was doing it to you three and also to everybody. So there's just layers of eye emoji. <laughs> layers and layers of eye emojis. Well, let's maybe start with the most eye emoji part of these last two episodes. To me, uh, Eric, why the fuck did Val get hit by an ice cream truck? <laughs> why? Why would you? Oh, do sorry, me sorry, dirty Brandon. Like is this that? the fuck cut of the after party? It's is that my, allowed? it's my cut. So the fuck. Oh, stay it's in. Julia's cut. <laughs> All right. Listen, now that Zack Snyder is releasing the Snyder cut, like, we have to do the fuck cut. Batman says fuck. I want to say there was someone on Twitter that said, y'all cuss a lot. I'm fine with that. Well, I'm fine with that. Welcome to D&D. And they were adult. a child. And, all the blood, and then ever, all the bloodthirsty people in the Discord were like, fuck cut. Fuck, fuck cut. Fuck cut. <laughs> exactly. Listen, kids these days, they're on the internet. They have YouTube. They have TikTok. Some of them live in cities. And they hear these words, and it's up to them and their parents to talk about when it's appropriate to use That's them. That's true. Fair I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say that we were both right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Eric, talk about this ice cream truck. Why Why did it happen? And um, did you intend to end the episode that way? Or is it something that came up? Yeah, were you just like feeling vindictive at the end? And we were like, you know what will be good for this? Let's hit Val with an ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. Checks out. <laughs> To that point, I will say that this is a different type of game that we played in the first campaign. Like, you do need to do more damage when you're having a powered game to illustrate the fact that, one, they are human, but two, they are superhuman. So it's literally two sides of that coin. It's like Val tried to tackle an ice cream truck, which is something that you would not do as a person. But the fact that Val, who has a human corporeal form, takes that much damage when they do get hit by an ice cream truck I thought was important to do. It's it's more like just I really like drawing these threads out even though this was a quote-unquote fight episode. I really love the obstacle course and I know we're going to talk about it but doing it was just really fun because it's like a character tinged sort of fight or contest like you're doing it for a reason. But yeah I wanted to pull on the ice cream truck stuff a little bit. Another like adding another clue like what is this ice cream stuff why does it keep coming up? I don't know. <laughs> we recorded so far in the future. I don't <laughs> want to say anything. <laughs> but yeah, it's just another, I'm adding, throwing another clue on the fire, I guess. What did y'all, did you guys have ice cream trucks growing up? Yeah. Did you yeah. not have ice cream trucks? No, I did. I just didn't know. I just, oh, okay. Texas is weird. What'd y'all get at the ice cream truck? This is very important to me. I would always so the the go to ice cream truck here on Long Island was Mr. Softy because Mr. Oh, Softy yeah. did soft serve and also you could dip the soft serve and it's also so get good. sprinkles on it is very important mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. chocolate dip chocolate, chocolate sprinkle. dip chocolate mm-hmm. sprinkle yeah I would do chocolate dip rainbow sprinkle and vanilla ice cream that was that was my go to 
Yo, you gotta get that chip witch, bruh. I was just gonna say chip witch was my go-to as well. I was also a weird child and I liked a snow cone. Yeah, snow cones are good. You you guys all chose things that didn't exist in the South, so <laughs> What'd you get then? It was just a frozen tumbleweed put that, onto a cone. That rainbow rocket? Uh I didn't hear about chip witches until after college and uh um, Oh, Brandon. A Mr. Softy I learned uh, in college, obviously. Or like sauce from a truck, but um, you poor, poor child. I know. So I would get, deprived. I would get, uh, cartoon ice cream pop things like Sonic faces and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle faces, and, and they were always slightly real. melty, and the eyes were off. I love exactly. Mm-hmm. That SpongeBob still haunts me. Mm. Yeah, you wake up and there's just a frozen SpongeBob face <laughs> looking at you Obviously. through the darkness. It's in your bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just confused about the order of operations. Like, you have to get the gumball and encounter it before the pop is done. So, like, what do you do? You just like hold it in your mouth like a chipmunk? I don't know, Amanda. <laughs> no one knows. Do you do you bite it and then spit it out and litter? No, I think you just chew it while you eat the ice cream. Oh man, I would choke on it in four seconds. <laughs> I don't think that they thought about the order of operations. They're like, oh, I gotta turn Raphael into an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's how those business meetings went. <sighs> <laughs> what do we do? It's a lot of grunting. <laughs> oh no. Uh let's let's steer our ice cream truck back onto the after party road. Um <laughs> nice Eric, one. tell us about this obstacle course. You know, the obstacle course was actually taken from something that we recorded a really long time ago. We were trying to do a podcast bundle with Humble Bundle. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. It was sort of an idea for like uh, can't do a live show, but maybe we can band together a bunch of people, um, you know, sell a bundle and then split the profits among everybody who was in it. Yeah, this was like two years ago before Multitude really started touring. And also, I think like people started getting their shit together. Like yeah. now there wasn't like a monetization plan for any sort of podcast. So we were trying to get a bunch of D&D shows to come together and maybe like some fiction shows to throw some stuff on. And we recorded this one shot that was a heist so this was where I first like learned about Blades in the Dark and I really tried to use the you know like their circle system where you have like pieces of pie to represent how things are going. And then it was a heist uh with a do you know at like a carnival? It's not like American Ninja Warrior, but at a carnival there's like those obstacle courses. Yeah, the blow. You can just ones. like run. Yeah. Yeah. Like those foam ones where, or like they're they're uh, blown up and you just like run up and run down. So I there was a news article I read that like someone heisted one of those, and what? I thought it was the single funniest <laughs> thing. Brandon, you recorded this. You I don't know it. where you went. No, I didn't hear about the news article thing. Yeah, I told you it was based off this news article that someone heisted one of those from a carnival. So I'm like, that's the single funniest thing I've ever seen. So the fact was you had to get this thing back from, it was like some salamanders or lava monsters. And then there, one of the endings was if you got caught, you had to get challenged to run this obstacle course. So I had this whole idea of like different challenges to do it. So then I adapted it to this thing and it was just... It was very fun to be able to do it. And, like, now this became more American Ninja Warrior than Carnival Obstacle Course, which I'm very glad for because it really kind of stretched so much of what I love about Lake Town City in so many different directions. Like, you're in Bushwick or you're in, like, the hipster area of your city and, like, someone throws on a light switch in a warehouse and, like, oh, there's an American Ninja Warrior set there. If that happened in Bushwick, I literally would not be surprised. Like, I'd be like, yep, that's correct. Everyone's a drag queen. It's EDM. <laughs> and we're eating uh, LSD 
popsicles. Great. It's right off the Knickerbocker stop. PBR it's really fun. <laughs> everywhere. So many cans of PBR. Incredible. There was a, there's a stage on one side and the American Ninja <laughs> Warriors set on the other side. So did each section of the obstacle course have its own mechanics? Yeah. Well, first, we can talk about uh, I did set up different people for all of you to recognize in episode three. So remember, you all made like those perception checks. So depending on what you came up with, where you're going to see different things, there's actually a bunch of things that you guys didn't see. But one was Shannon Redwine, the bully. Um, she one gonna was come Fritz. back? I'm very curious. Who can say? Really? Damn Who it. even knows? <laughs> um, and then Amanda rolled so well, you got both Fritz and the horse, the horse in the room. Jesus! <laughs> I was just gonna give a bonus to somebody seeing that there was a horse. <laughs> and then I, I don't. Moment. And then Brandon, you just got your interaction with uh, Sour Anthony. The best of all. No. Unacceptable. My favorite voice of all time. Uh, uh. I. Okay, actual question. I've never watched American Ninja Warrior. Is it just like, is it the same obstacle course that all the contestants compete on? Yeah. Or like, how's it Not work? at the same time, though. Each one does like a trial run, and then their goal is to get to the end the fastest. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's like a, it's a time trial thing. Mm-hmm. But they also like, it's all about like endurance and just like upper arm strength. Mm-hmm. This was like, just do it. <laughs> it was a lot more like gotcha. uh, Wipeout or, you know, like the Japanese inspired games that inspire Wipeout. Yeah, so they're not um, like, like fighting do it, each it's other ridiculous. on the course. <laughs> no, it's okay. not like that usually. Um, so yeah, I had different things for that. And then Emily challenged all of you to do this, which I just thought, I, listening back to the end of three, I was just like, I forgot how funny it was that Emily just says, go, and you have to go. <laughs> and then we all just ran. We just like did not want to lose. In episode four, exactly. I think one of us was just like, I don't even know why I want to win, but I want to win. <laughs> Someone says, go, you got to win. <laughs> For Val, it was just like, oh, fuck Sour Anthony. Eric, I'm curious if there was a way that there would have been additional people running the course or if that you just planned on these specific people running it. Like, was there a way that Shannon Redwine ran the course? Oh, 100%. Okay, interesting. Just the way that you all interacted with these people and the fact that you didn't interact with Shannon. There was another thing that, like, you could have ran into a friend from high school Mm -hmm. or from a job you ran into. And there were some other NPCs, like, scattered in there. But the fact that you interacted with the people who you interacted with, they were the ones who had a reason to stay. Because, like, Emily's speech, for everything that it sets up for my world, that it was an exposition speech, it was not that compelling mm-hmm. i don't think like she's not an orator she's not fucking like professor x being like the mutants we need to all stay together and i'll be like she's not that she did have a giant purple sword though she's like she's like a low-grade leslie nope with a sword and like that's not inspiring so a lot of people the fact that people were leaving was just like i don't want to deal with this for I don't care or I don't want to, which is kind of what she was uh, she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Did you do it that way or did you roll something for like Emily's persuasion or charisma? Oh, um, I think I did it that way. I didn't write anything down for her speech. I'm just like, I'm going to try to make up a speech to empower people and it's not going to go well. <laughs> so if I had spoken to Shannon Redwine, she might have run the course. Oh, yeah. Val talking to their bully would have engaged somebody to uh, challenge each other. So I can only imagine that uh, Shannon would have stayed. That's fair. Now I regret not talking to her. I mean, would you really have gone up to your bully after not seeing them? For no, like almost definitely not. Years? But I would have liked to see where that uh, that story thread have, would have gone. I bet Val sure. would have. I mean, Val's like big and bulky and can fight now. No, but I don't think so because I think Val is the kind of person who 
wouldn't give someone not worth their time the time of day. That's true. That's very true. Love it. Val's truly my like business goals in terms of <laughs> being like, if you don't want to work with me, fuck you. That's how I solve problems. I just don't talk to people I don't want to talk to. I don't have problems because I just don't talk to people. It's really There effective. you go. Eric, any mechanics from the different sections of the obstacle course that you would like to share with us? Yeah. Um, the first one was just, it was literally just ripped from American Ninja Warrior. Dexterity, acrobatics, jumping from one pad to the other pad and slipping and having to start over. The army crawling. So the thing is, I totally thought that at least two of you and at least Aggie was going to make it to the tunnel first, just because I know Aggie has super high dexterity. And then uh, Milo decided to fuck all that up. <laughs> so um, the spirits decided. Oh, sorry. It was the spirits. Oh, it was the spirits. It. No, that was me. It was the player. <laughs> so really, Brandon, the player, did us all a favor in coming to the tunnel. Exactly. So these the two other guys bust out in front, and then they got hit by the sleep spell. Like it was just sleep, and I rolled eight d eight, and they all got and they got knocked out. Eight d eight. The next eight d eight. That's yeah. what sleep the way spell that does. Sleep, the way that sleep works is that you roll their HP, and it's usually for like you're fighting goblins, and you kind of just like do it in an area, and you go from the person or the creature that has the lowest HP up. So it's like it needs to consume their HP for them to fall asleep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. You roll a certain number of dice, and then you get, like, 40. So it's like you have five goblins, and one goblin has five HP, but the rest have ten. So you knocked out the hurt goblin and then, like, the other goblins that are inside of that number. Mm -hmm. It's math. It's math. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was fun. And, like, some of them had chunkier HP. Like, Fritz had a lot of HP, and Sour Anthony did not have a lot of HP. So it was them as a combination was really good. And that was done by Enya, which Aggie then destroyed. <laughs> destroyed the Enya. How could hey, you? Can't abide Enya. Hey, Eric. Mm -hmm. What's What was Sour Anthony eating? I told you it was Chex Mix, Brandon. Okay. okay. I even wrote about it, and then it was Chex Mix. Okay. Can, do you want to hear my theory about Sour Anthony? Yes. So I, I know that Eric is a, a fellow watcher of My Hero Academia. And there <laughs> is a very specific character in, like, a minor character, but, like, one of the main characters' classes where he eats sugar and then gets super strong. And I'm picturing Sour Anthony, like, eating snack food, and then that allows him to fly. That's my guess. Cool. I wish that I wish that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just like housing cookies and then he can fly. Yeah. That's the dream. Sounds great. Yeah, you're right. I'm changing it. It's cookie. He's eating cookies, Brandon. Great. <laughs> okay. Hey man, just show like these are my chocolate chip cookies I got from home. Please don't touch them. <laughs> I made them and no. I browned the butter. I browned the butter and I got sugar from out of state. It's like it's like we still have all the molasses in it. <laughs> they're just mine. They're really good. Look, can you just step away? I, I brought them from home. And then he takes no, out a banjo. No, the after party is my house. I don't have to let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Any final mechanics, please? Yeah, there was the, the don't say anything at all puzzle, which is you just need to say something nice to the door or you would run into a trap. Um, which is something that I got from like that old like the old wipeout episodes is like either you you bust through a door that has a trap in it or you don't. Um, the floor is illusion thing, which you guys figured out. And then the final thing was that you needed to do something that was related to your class ah. as you hit the punching bag. Ah. So 
Val hit it just like you did a big barbarian punch. Brandon literally hit it with a spirit surge. And Aggie, you just kind of like kicked it. But you had to do like a monk thing. Yeah. And you, but you figured that out. There we go. Right on. Was there yeah. any like rejected modules or or tasks? Yeah, there. The problem I remember when running it was I did too many athletic ones because that mm. is what American Ninja Warrior is. Mm. So I'm like, you have to run up the warp wall, and then I'm like, oh, we're just gonna run athletic checks. Like this is not interesting. <laughs> that would have come in first the entire time. <laughs> but like that's what we did. The first thing was dex was a body thing, and the other things were powered or resistance or con in, in these different ways. Yeah. Mm. So I that's what I had to that's what I had to tweak. Smart. Speaking of playtesting, uh, something we meant to discuss last After Party is that Eric worked with some consultants in preparing the world and preparing for episode one. Um, so we just wanted to shout them out and talk a little bit about that experience. So, uh, Eric, take it away. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to say that join the party is really difficult for me to do on my own, and I would not be able to do it because, one, I need to talk to other people, but two, my experience as a person and as a game player is not the be-all and end-all, so I just really want to shout out the two people that I've reached out to, uh, Celeste Conowich, who is from Venture Maidens and is just incredibly talented, is now a full-time game person on their own, and they do uh, consulting for your tabletop role-playing game podcast whatever uh and you can just like hire her she's just like incredibly talented and i reached out to kevin snow as like a sensitivity consultant and a disability reader because this was about bodies in so many different ways like these people are being radiated by science which is a thing that happens in real life and doesn't give you powers uh and since it had to do with people's bodies like milo literally has a hole in his body and val <laughs> vibrates a lot mm. <laughs> so i feel like i needed to talk to someone about like what effects this might have on people and being cognizant of not being like oh hell yeah these bodies are better and the and the separation between like the x-men style mutant and the regular human and how like that dichotomy is not real and also um like the effects and if there are curses and effects like quote unquote curses and effects and negative feedback for being a uh, person who is comes from a tradition of like radiation. So uh, it was just something that I really wanted to be aware of. And I now that like we really were cognizant of what we were doing for join the party. I wanted to reach out to Celeste and Kevin. You can find them in the links that we put in the episode description. Uh, they're both really great. And uh, I really wanted to shout them out. That's great. Thank you both. Thank you both. So let's move now into questions from our wonderful, wonderful audience. Uh, let's let's go back to episode three, walk our minds before the obstacle course, before all of that. This is from Noelle K. Desperately needing to know everything about the Brewpot family, please and thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I should ask you three because I came up with one guy and then my interns apparently came up with <laughs> Brewski. So I... <laughs> so please tell me. Listen, sometimes if you're not careful, you devolve into a Long Island lax bro. And that is just what happened to me in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we talked about this off mic, but I think I pitched the idea that Brewski had a band that Val has seen live. <laughs> I can't possible. remember which band it is. But it's on my list of bands, and I just haven't looked at it in a while. But yeah, I, Brewski has a band that plays in College Town quite a bit. Of course, I like he—he's like a senior at SUNY LTC, mm -hmm. and he's just like 
it's been six years and he still hasn't gotten his physiology degree. <laughs> oh, bud. Oh, bud. No, I just, Mr. Brewpot was so, I love, and this, I'm getting this from Nadpod, but like, I like putting dads into the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's very fun. It's just like a really intense energy you can run at someone with. And like, if a dad gives you a quest, you have to do it. So that's how I dealt with Milo is like, hey, your boss, who is also your dad in some other way is like, here, go do this thing. I'm telling you to go do it. No, I just, uh, I just really like it. That was one of my favorite scenes in episode three was Brewpot speed walking at Milo and then Milo being like, I speed walk back at him. <laughs> <laughs> Loved that. Just for audience's sake, he's not actually my dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's not. No, we know who your dad is. But Brandon, have has Milo and Mr. Brewpot gotten drunk at like a holiday party? Uh, absolutely. Well, Mr. Brewpot thought that Milo got drunk, but Milo is a very smart employee who just gets his boss drunk you know, drunk and then, you know, pretends to be as drunk so they can bond and then, you know, become the favorite employee. Like all employees That doesn't surprise do. me. Yeah. You got to stay like one or two drinks behind your boss at a happy hour. Hmm. You know, it's just, just the smart thing to do. Not bad advice. Milo, if only I could rearrange the alphabet and make it so much easier for people to find all the science. It would be so much better. Why is G the place that it is? It should not be there. I would put it at the end. I like that he's a country lawyer when he gets drunk. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, that's, that's very, very good. What a weird complaint. He went to college. He went to like a college in Charlottesville, and that's why he picked it up. Mm. Like whenever he gets drunk, he gets a southern accent. Amazing. Shell in the Discord had a really interesting comment that they were going to ask whether other people were aware of the powered people's powers, but it seems like episode three did kind of get at that. Like there is some awareness and that some people do use their powers. Mm. Well, I think that was something that we talked about in the world building was that like people know they have powers, but the world at large doesn't necessarily know that people have powers. And that's why you have right. that scene with Tegan where they're interviewing you and trying to get information about the incident. Yeah, and the reason that I think Aggie was secretive about that is not because she wants to totally deny the fact that she's different, but the fact that you kind of like don't go outside the family. Like you don't talk about personal stuff with an outsider, no matter how cool their jacket is. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> that was sort of, if I remember correctly, that was kind of the framing question that all of us had when we had a, you know, our initial sort of discussion about what campaign two would look like um, is, you know, powers the sort of like in the um in the dichotomy of you know superhero and powered media the question is sort of how secret is this are you public superheroes and everybody knows that superheroes exist or do you, did you like get struck one day with a power and uh no one else has that or knows about it yeah i think it's also interesting to note that like we're living in a town that is already just kind of odd because we had diaphragm mm -hmm. you know so it's like everyone in the rest of the world has to be like Everything happened in Lake Town City is just kind of odd in general, mm. you know? Right. It's like, hey, it's like, hey, I really love going to Atlanta. There also, like, has all of the nuclear reactors in the United States. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's really strange. And this is a related question um, from Jamie DWN, also in the Discord. Are there third-generation post-event kids? So, like, Team JTP's nieces or nephews are actual children. And if so, are they powered? Do the powers dilute over generations, um, et cetera? That's an interesting question. I think this was another uh, conversation we had off mic when we first were coming up with the idea. And didn't we talk about how, like, the powers 
would get stronger as generations go on. Because, like, if you look at Aggie and Val and, I guess, to a certain extent, Milo. Wow. These aren't, like, huge, incredible superpowers like you see in the comics. We're, we're very, like, mildly powered people in, you know, superhero lore terms. You know what I mean? And, like, if you look at our parents, too, and it's something that's been brought up on the podcast, our parents just look very good and are very healthy. But that's right. it. They don't have powers. Yeah, that was sort of the discussion around the incident in particular, like what exactly would cause people to be powered. And we wanted very much to take place in that second generation, not the people who are dealing with it for the first time. But once the city is established, diaphragm is established, uh, how do you like live a normal life with just this strange addition? So if the you know adults who were exposed, they had this mild effect of just you know health and prosperity, which is great. But their kids, because they were changed on a genetic level versus the parents who were already you know alive and in in bodies that had developed they had a much more intense power uh but i don't know like if two powered people have kids like is it a genetic related thing what is this a blip and powers fade from here on out mm. uh you know it, i don't think there's like a canonical answer but it's something that i think is really interesting i actually didn't think about this until jamie brought it up but theoretically you're all in your late 20s someone probably had a kid so we don't know about this baby or five, two five-year-old mm -hmm. or ten, even 10-year-old probably. Um, but, like, they're probably out there. Not one of us More three. Someone in yes. the city. <laughs> someone not related to our characters. Yeah. <laughs> there is definitely someone who is from Laketon, who is living in Laketon City, who got married at 18 and had a kid at 19. Right. And that child exists. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I really like that, Julia. I didn't think about that, like on the on the X Men, like Professor X scale. Yeah. Like, yeah, the you're definitely there are no Omega level uh, powered people at this moment. Hundred percent. No one is no one is changing reality like Scarlet Witch or doing Phoenix Force level stuff. Yet, just wait. Yet. <laughs> Dropping an entire tornado on the city yet. Mm -hmm. But like that is the kind of thing that Professor Mara would potentially do. So it's, I think what interests me so much about Lake Town City is that it is a mix of the sort of, you know, ununderstandable, wild, super powery type of power source and science. And the fact that there is like money, industry and infrastructure to make these like sweeping, you know, air tram innovations is just a really fascinating, I think, complement to the existence of like mild powers. There was the idea that I had in the beginning was like, you have to imagine that someone's parent like walks in on them as they're like shooting fireballs in all directions <laughs> and they're just like, oh, like, why don't you just turn it off? That's what I do with my radiant smile. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, not the same, guys. Not the same at all. And that child was Mario. <laughs> you had a flower. Yes, Brandon, that was Mario. I'm adding a fire thrower named Mario now. Congratulations. Excellent. He's from, he's from uh, Little Italy. Val knows him. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, this question came, uh, oh, directly from Eric. Brandon, the music at the end of episode three slaps. Discuss? Uh, not just for me. Every fucking person was Everyone like, really hey, the, the music at the end of episode three fucking slaps. Yeah, it was a pretty dope track. Um, I've been, because I've been doing Next Stop and other um, projects along the line to uh, help JTP get quicker in post i've been using a lot of um pre-made tracks sort of like a music supervision style 
So I use a lot of stuff from the YouTube Music Library, which is the library that YouTube allows creators to pull from. That is, um, mm. a lot of it is like Creative Commons zero license, which means you don't have to give attribution. Some of it is attribution, so make sure if you use that, you have to use that. But this track was called Nothing Yet by Spaz Cardigan. And uh, I don't really know anything about the the musician, but I do really like their tracks. I've downloaded all of them, so I just have them on my computer and ready to use. Yeah, and if you remember back in Labor Party, um, there was, I forget which one, I think it was the pastoral one where there's like a running the cows or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's a track that's like mainly acoustic and it's got like some stomping in it. That's another Spaz Cardigan track. Um so yeah, I just really love them, and uh, you can find them on the YouTube Music Library if you search for it. And uh, Brandon wrote an illegal amount of music for Campaign One, more than a hundred uh, tracks of environmental uh, <laughs> sounds and also music, which you can now buy in our merch store. Join the party slash merch. That's why I'm only using pre-made tracks from for this season because the cops came and yes. they said that's illegal. He's been banned. Mm-hmm. You've made too much music, sir. The FBI busted in and was like, stop it. <laughs> uh, moving on to episode four. Many very good questions. Uh, first of all, Julia, this one's from Al, uh, uh, parent to two adorable cats in the Discord. Julia, how did you bless Brandon's dice and why? So, okay, we could talk about <laughs> dice superstition real quick if you'd like. And Brandon doesn't <laughs> yes. believe in dice superstition as far it's as I'm aware. Thing. Correct? It's not it's a just thing. statistics. I think you need to cook your dice. I think it should always be resting on the highest number possible. That is my opinion. Since Brandon doesn't do that, though, I just kind of hover my hands over his dice before we start a session and just try to channel some energy into them. You know, I do just try to it. give it good vibes. Yeah, because I I think dice dice don't matter. But Julia giving my general area and dice good vibes is like very nice, you know. Mm-hmm. And do we do that remotely now? I, I will try my best. Like, gaze upon brandon and send him good vibes well listen according to the science of reiki which is wild um (laughs) you can in fact send reiki waves across the phone calls and the internet so i will do my best to send you good vibes over these uh these calls thank you i appreciate it you're welcome from Hamilton Auto, um, Eric, was the table for Spirit Surge a static 10 possible outcomes as Brandon rolls them, or is it rolling and shifting to stuff backfill as he lands inexplicably on results all the time? Like, do you replace uh, ones that have been used with new ones? Is that what the question is? Right. Okay. Yes, I do replace them. I've had to do it a lot more than I thought <laughs> I would have to. <laughs> but yeah, um, as soon as they get hit, I... I switch about yes. oh that's really cool i didn't know that i thought like if brandon rolls i don't remember the number another four or whatever he's gonna polymorph again or something like that that's very cool it's cool to know that they're switched out yeah just the way that since it's a feat and not like a main tenant like a wild magic sorcerer i felt like i had a lot more control as the dm because brandon was giving milo up to the randomization gods <laughs> so and as like a facet of him as a person and whatever his powers do Uh, and how out of control they are sometimes, I felt like I needed to not press my hand down on the scale, but, like, I needed to know what these things are, especially because there is, as we've seen, some sort of entity hitting that portal. I also appreciate that they have more, like, consequences, I guess is the word. But, like, in the Wild Magic table, like, some of them are just, like, you know, fluffy, fun stuff. But it does make the game more interesting to be, like, even if it's not, like, terrible, but, like, 
you can't, you know, yeah, like my legs were frozen. Like that does make the game more yeah. interesting and there's a challenge. Um, just to confirm, Eric, there are half good things and half bad things, right? Yeah, you got one of the good things. It was if the punch. unfortunately it happened now, but you got the big hands. Yeah. Just confirming. You got big punchy hands. Just confirm. There are good. Brandon, I promise there are good things. Also, <laughs> the polymorph thing wasn't necessarily bad. It's just that Tuna failed it, and Tuna was the closest thing to you. That's yeah. true. That's true. Tuna fails everything. <laughs> Not true. Tuna's great, and I could tell. Brandon, you want to shit talk Tuna more? I don't know. I live with Tuna. You want? I live with Tuna in life, and in death, they're even worse. So come at me. <laughs> Oh my First God. the fuck cut. Now this tuna defamation. It's going to be rough for you in Discord, Brandon. I think that Hamilton Otto was also the person on Twitter who asked me why Val hates Sour Anthony so much. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. And like, I, you know what? I I just kind of leaned into it so far. So I went back and I listened to episode three to figure out why I reacted the way that I reacted. And it's because Val said something about their mom being hot, and then Sour Anthony agreed, and that did not go oh. well with Val. <laughs> so fuck that's Sour right. Anthony. Oh, that's very good. I like that though. That is like a thing in LinkedIn where it's just like everyone knows that Val's mom is the hot uh, hippie sculptist sculptor who draws. She's a milk who makes erotic <laughs> sculptures. Yeah. She's definitely made like a a sculpture of all nipples that spells out MILF. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Should be Incredible. in the not but the other museum. <laughs> the art museum. Really a nightmare. Yeah. Near Gaga. Eric, how did the conversation between Emily and the people who set up the obstacle course go? This was from Joey, but lots of people are very concerned. <laughs> like, who did Emily pay off to get this obstacle course constructed? <laughs> Uh, Amanda and I have been watching a lot of incredibly rich people shows lately, like Succession and then Into Billions. And honestly, if you throw enough money at someone, they just do the thing you want them to do. Yeah. So if you, you got these contractors to set this thing up, maybe it was the American Ninja Warrior people. Maybe it was some other sort of like obstacle course, something else. I don't know. But it's like, hey, here's some amount of money build this and they're like okay like you don't have to ask them like they'll they'll just do it i mean the production folks from american ninja warrior have to have some jobs in the off season you know <laughs> and there's a whole cottage industry of american ninja warrior training gyms and equipment and people who will like home build a climbing wall or like order it from somewhere so it doesn't surprise me that either that or a sort of intense crossfit gym like lent equipment yeah like they're just like they're not just like you don't have to be suspicious unless something is actually suspicious if someone just get, if this is just a job they'll just do it is emily just super rich though who can say like are the Julia. slaughter okay yeah all her right. last name is slaughter I mean, she definitely kills people <laughs> she can Brandon, kill people real with a sword real good <laughs> no the real person doesn't kill people just the fiction person does <laughs> Emily Slaughter Prime is an upstanding citizen. Yes, with exactly. incredible dice-making abilities. <laughs> well, we have a bunch more questions about our world and what's going to happen next. But first, I'm going to have to uh, go in and refill this cookie-slash-chex-mix-sweet-salty combo bowl. Heck yeah, heck Be yeah. Be right back. Hey, it's Amanda. 
Now, we joke a lot about cookies and Chex Mix in this after party, but like a lot of people, baking has been a huge part of my life for these past few months. And there is no kitchen tool I appreciate more than my digital scale. Baking by volume is so hard and messy, but baking by weight is absolutely effortless. I realize this is not news to a lot of you, but was news to me. I love pouring the ingredients directly into my mixing bowl and not dirtying my dry measures. I love pressing reset after adding each ingredient and not having to do any math. I love guessing how many chocolate chips make up 200 grams. Welcome to the mid-roll. How do you like the cupcakes? Thank you to everybody who has joined our Patreon in the last week. Damien, Matt, Eric, Sam, the lovely Loveless, Mary, and Dan. And thanks to Taylor and Artemis for upgrading to an annual plan. This is a new feature on Patreon where you can sign up for a full year of membership for a 16% discount over pledging month to month. We say it every week on the Multitude Shows, but we are truly grateful for each and every person who supports us on Patreon. You literally make it possible for this to be our jobs, and we couldn't do it without you. Whether you're pledging for yourself or as a gift, whether annual or monthly, know that your support makes all the difference for us at Multitude. To get access to some great bonus content and our patron-only Discord, join us today for as little as five bucks a month at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. Did you know that Join the Party and a bunch of other Multitude shows have digital merch items for sale? From ringtones to phone backgrounds, there are a ton of items you can get for yourself or a friend. There are bundles from Join the Party, Spirits, Potterless, and Next Stop, Multitude's new audio sitcom. And we're adding new stuff all the time. So head over to multitude.productions merch to see the digital and physical items all of our shows have for sale. Next, I want to recommend a wonderful podcast for you to listen to once you catch up on Join the Party. Unwell is a critically acclaimed fiction podcast about unusual families of blood and choice in the small town of Mount Absalom, Ohio. A small town with a ghost problem and conspiracies. It's one of my favorite podcasts with some of my favorite podcast art of all time by some of my favorite podcasting people of all time. And I know you're going to enjoy it as well. This is truly the perfect time to dive in since season two is airing right now. So go to unwellpodcast.com or search for Unwell in your podcast app. We are sponsored this week by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. They connect you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. You can also message your counselor in between sessions if you're worrying about something or think of a topic you want to cover in your next call. Because BetterHelp wants you to find the best therapeutic match possible, it's easy and free to switch counselors if needed. And BetterHelp is also more affordable than traditional counseling, with financial aid also available. You can get 10% off your first month of counseling by signing up at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's betterhelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash join the party. One of my very favorite parts of playing a monk in D&D is problem solving. Deciding when will be the best time to use my luck points and my key points, managing multiple attacks in the same round, optimizing for close range versus ranged combat. It really forces me to think about probability in a way not many other things do. And today's sponsor, Brilliant, gives you access to the kind of active learning that I love. They don't just teach you subjects, but give you a toolkit and a framework to work through novel problems for yourself. It's like not just a module, but also the skills to run and to play a whole campaign. Their interactive courses cover scientific thinking, math fundamentals, programming, and machine learning, as well as so much more. 
They know, just like all D&D players do, that the best way to develop skills and intuition is by problem solving. So go to brilliant.org slash join the party to sign up for free. Plus, the first 200 people to go to that link will get 20% off the annual premium subscription. That's brilliant.org slash join the party. Finally, we are sponsored by Backblaze. They provide unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs for just six bucks a month. I have this for all my computers and it has saved my life more times than I can count. Backblaze just runs in the background, backing up your documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, and projects, all of your data while you're doing other stuff. And you can restore files anywhere, downloading them from the web or even purchasing a restore hard drive overnighted to you in the mail. The Backblaze mobile app also means that you can have access or download your files on the go, which I've definitely done while traveling. And it's not just me. They've restored over 50 billion files for customers. That's billion with a B. See for yourself why Backblaze is the easiest and best file backup service by signing up for a fully featured free trial at backblaze.com JTP. There's no credit card required to get 15 days of Backblaze for free and see why this is the best six bucks a month you'll ever spend. That's backblaze.com slash JTP. Join Multitude in backing up your files on Backblaze at backblaze.com slash JTP. And now back to the after party. I'm back. Are you guys enjoying my Rick Martinez brown butter toffee chocolate chip cookies? They're the oh, best they're cookies so I've ever had. good. They're so oh, good. Oh, I'm going to No, Sour Anthony, you're not invited. Oh, okay. Not going to lie to you guys. A lot of questions about tuna physics. Um, <laughs> Malice in the Discord would like to know, can Val see tuna all the time now? Did Val see tuna because they were carrying Milo? Can Aggie see tuna? Just can someone give tuna scritches? I feel like the answers to these questions are revealed later. So can we add them to the, hmm, I don't know, section? Who can, who who can, can say, say, really? Liz, the tuna physics are complicated. Don't worry about it, guys. I don't even think it is I'm true quite that... clear on who can see tuna and who can't exactly and why. I mean, I think we decided that once tuna reveals themselves to somebody or like lets themselves be seen, then that person can see them forever. Right? Yeah. But I don't think tuna revealed themselves. So there's something extra. Yeah. Maybe because they were because you were in a sandwich. Yes, I, I think it was the contact like you were that touching. allowed me yeah. to see tuna. Yes, it was. It was that was the contact of why Val could see tuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say later we just re- <laughs> we just deal with it because it's complicated. Yep. Well, uh, everything surrounding tuna is just like mystery upon lies upon mysteries. So, like, get used to it, <laughs> folks. Strap in. <laughs> so so mean to your animal familiar. <laughs> They're a dick. <laughs> Venick would like to know, um, how does Tuna feel about regular cats? And will Tuna and Sushi, Aggie's cat, ever meet? <laughs> well, first of all, you need to write that fanfic where Tuna and Sushi interact. That's outside of my that's out of my hands. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to tell you. We don't know uh, Sushi very well yet. I feel like cats can see ghost cats. That's why cats stare at walls and stuff. They can see other oh, ghosts. Yeah. So are cats looking at other cats but their spirits? I oh, think yeah. cats are just looking at ghosts all the time. Cats, yeah, that's a thing, right? Cats and dogs can see otherworldly spirits. Yeah, certainly in folklore it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a cat in my mid-20s whose name was Samson, and my roommates named the cat Samson with a P because I wasn't there to spell check it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sure. And Samson 
would just look in corners and just look up and then ch- like chirp randomly. Go, burr, 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 burr. And I was like, huh, what are you looking at, bud? And Samson just, he, he had a, an eye of his own. So I do think cats can see and the then ghost. And Samson so, would transform well. into a giant monster. No, Samson was just a cat. Oh, okay. cool. <laughs> you don't need to improve to make a cat even more creepy. <laughs> they just do it. Mm-hmm. And how does Tuna feel about the the other, uh, you know, mere mortal cats walking around? I think fine. I mean, no more than <laughs> other cats. Like, again, cat. Like I'm not improving upon. I'm just taking the the general idea of a cat. Like cats I, are ready made for D and D. They it, really are. Exactly. Like I didn't do much to Tuna. Tuna is just a cat. Tuna was literally just a cat that died and now is stuck to Milo, and it's a horror show for both of them. They're just a cat. <laughs> no, Tuna loves it. Tuna loves you so much. <laughs> Tuna does not like me. Tuna likes my dad. <laughs> Tuna loves the fact that you are he's Tuna still gets to bother you. Yeah, that's what it's Tuna likes, exactly. It's great. This is from out of Cole Text on Twitter. Will all of Milo's spells eventually go ghost? Will Entangle become grasping ghostly hands? Is Wall of Thorns a wall of mildly disgruntled ex-NFL stars? <laughs> uh second question, yes, of course. Now it is canon. <laughs> The first one is literally canon. We do we do that later. I think that we've really been working on this circle of spirits a lot, and we do flavor it later as we get there. Yes, agreed. I think the thing, too, about Milo is, like, it's not strictly – it is, like, powered by ghosts and spirits, but it is it is a manifestation of those individual ghosts and spirits' powers that they had or have. So, like – when they did Entangle and it was a Grasping Vine, just because one of the spirits inside of them had the ability to do plant tricks, you know? Um, but I think... Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, tricks. plant tricks. <laughs> Guys, I thought... I didn't share that... I didn't share that secret Tumblr name with you. Why would you <laughs> help me like that? <laughs> Amanda plant tricks at com. Oh, no. <laughs> but I think it's Milo. We'll see, but... um. As Milo gets more and more control over his powers, I think he's able to, like, hone the spirits as opposed to just, like, channel the spirits' individual willpower, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, like, that's true for Milo, but also, like, from a and d perspective, it's like, yeah, you know what? I would like to reskin these to make it more ghostly. Totally. Like, yeah. Like, let's do that. It fits the subclass we came up with a lot more. So, yeah. like, the way that the druid, I've been thinking about this so much, the way druids draw their power from their environment and the way that Milo draws his power is from this ghost realm that he has a portal to. So, like, you are literally a uh, a ghost, like, you're a ghost druid, so your spells would be ghostly. Exactly. Like, there are, you know, spells that are already flavored, like Pass Without a Trace is a shadow in-game already, in canon anyway, in D&D. And then uh, we added some flavor to Thunder Wave at the end of it, which is just like a Pikachu power. But, you know, there's some, some ghostly whispers at the end of it. So I think uh, we'll continue to sort of go that direction. And Shillelagh is a, I, it's just a silly power. So I'm going to keep flavoring <laughs> that. Um, speaking of the, the end of the episode, uh, I just saw this from Julia. Uh, not, not this Julia, not different me. Julia on Twitter. Um, what would have happened if only part of the squad finished the parkour? Oh, that's a good question. I did have a situation laid out for that. I didn't think I would resolve it on this episode because we don't know what Emily is actually planning here. But, like, yeah, I it was entirely possible for all three of you to not do this, to not have it done. Honestly thought that Aggie was not going to get it. Ha-ha. 
I'm a monk. <laughs> it was it was a big reason why I picked up Milo and carried him along because I was like, I don't. In in canon, I was like, I don't want to be on a team with Sour Anthony. But at the same time, out of character, I was like, I want to make sure that Brandon gets on the squad. Thanks. I hope he doesn't he doesn't fall behind. <laughs> Julia, the real person, is so kind to me. And Val is also <laughs> real kind to me. You're just better than Sour Anthony. So Val was like, yes. <laughs> You're a nerd, That's but I fair. can appreciate you. That's totally fair. <laughs> I have a question. Why did Milo give up the 10K for the key? I, it's not as like nefarious or weird as other pe- I think as people might imagine. It, well, one, as a player, like it's just more interesting to have things like items over cash. But um, two, as like in character, Milo has a good job that he likes, so like he's not like hurting for cash, you know. And Milo, as a person, is just like his whole thing is that he's intensely driven by curiosity, and that's why he's you know in science to begin with. That's why he has a degree in that. So he would rather have a key and figure out the secrets surrounding the key and, and learn more about himself and these spirits than like first of all you know take 30 percent of it to the government for taxes so we're down to you know 70 70 7, so hold on a second <laughs> why would you give a, a, a cash given by a person to you and give it to your taxes you're going to declare a, <laughs> a secret mission amount of money yeah it's over five thousand dollars and then you get audited like you get screwed man so you like declare you have to declare lottery winnings and and other miscellaneous income I don't think if Milo gets audited, he's not going to jail. <laughs> I was just like, Milo set you up with a good lawyer. He's, he's gotten a lot of people out of from under the underneath the IRS's uh, eyes. Well. So, Liz, there's an old saying that we have: uh, it's not the crime, it's the taxes. So, uh, we really make sure that we got our accounts. Tax online. evasion is part of the reason that people went away during Prohibition. Exactly. It wasn't that they were breaking the Prohibition law; it was that they were easily uh, done up by the fact that they weren't declaring their income. Yeah. So if Milo's going to be a vigilante, true. then he's not going to also do tax fraud. So you know, seven thousand dollars <laughs> is going to buy him. You know, I don't know, a nice clunker of a car kind of thing, but... Pay your rent for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. 10K is a lot of money. Yeah, but, like, rent for a couple of months versus, like, uncover secrets of his inside spirits for a lifetime, mm. you know? That's true. That's a good point. The, don't worry. I'm sure that Emily is just going to, like, pocket that 10K and be like, mm, all right, that's fine. No skin off her nose. <laughs> Related question from Magdalena on Twitter. At this point in the campaign, how well do you feel like you know your characters and for Eric the NPCs? Is there every motivation and action and reaction like 100% clear to you or do they still sometimes surprise you? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting because the more we've played recently, the more like polite Val has seemed to me. <laughs> in certain situations and like it can be aggressive politeness but i think that val is much more respectful than i gave them credit for early on and i'm, I'm curious for people to see that and see the reveal but yeah they're they're definitely surprising me in that sense yeah i think it's just val interacting with strangers honestly like val comes off very hard-edged to strangers but it's like you meet val once and no don't worry they're cool it's fine <laughs> um I feel like there's still a lot of room here for surprise. Um, I think even into episode nine, like, yeah, I mean, anything could happen. I think uh, the sort of like core 
person of who Milo is, and I I would bet the rest of your characters, like, we sort of formed when we were forming the characters in the beginning. But, like, yeah, like, I think, Julia, you said last AP, like, you know, you you found out in the fact that Val went to college and got a communications degree, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think those things will still be there and surprise us as we go. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of the opposite, as I said um, last time, which is I feel like I I know how Aggie reacts and the choices she makes, but sort of discovering like who she is and what motivates her, um, apart from the you know few kind of basic things that I know already, um, is still happening. So yeah, as as of um, you know episode nine, I do feel a little more confident. Like I don't have to ask myself what would Aggie do. I, I sort of am able to act in the moment, but I feel like I I still have a lot to learn about her, which is a really fun place to be. You know, only a few months into a, a campaign. Yeah, that's nice. I feel similarly for the NPCs because, like, you got to give these people, like, one motivation and, like, one personality trait and then you go. But I'm still introducing a lot of people right now. Uh, So once I get to live in them a little longer, that would be nice. And I feel like they'll get fleshed out. Mm. A pizza-related question from Jasmine in the Discord. If the characters went to the pizza joint Val works in, what kind of toppings would each of them ask for? Mm. So Val does like a meat lovers with extra meatballs when they're ordering from Dominic's. But I think yep. if Val is making pizza themselves, like in their apartment, it is thinly sliced pepperoni that like, you know, it's cooked so much that it curls at the edges and then yep. a, a drizzle of honey on top. Mm, hot honey mm, or just regular good. honey? Uh, hot honey if they have it. But if you're using spicy enough pepperoni, I don't think you need the hot honey necessarily. That's fair. That's fair. I just discovered Calabrian chilies that I added mm. to my pizza. Shit, so Very good. good. I think Aggie enjoys uh, straight up cheese or uh, white pizza if she's feeling frisky. <laughs> a regular slice, you can get it for a dollar. Exactly. <laughs> In my head at Dominic's, it took like it takes like twenty five years for a new topping to be added to the, re- to yeah. the menu. It's like redo the handwritten sign. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's a it's a strong like movement. Like it was just it's like my family didn't come over from Sicily so that you can put meat on this pizza. This is not how it works. And I think it like slow. It took a and then like twenty five years later, Dom Four was like. <laughs> Dom Four was like, "You're not putting anything green on my pizza. My family, my great grandfather didn't come over from Sicily to do that. Unless it's basil." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like the only at Dominic's, it's just like there's regular, there's like pepperoni and like green pepper, and they're just experimenting with meatball. Like meatball happened very recently. Meatball and sausage got added at the same time. And Mountain Lobster, of right? Mountain of Lobster, course. Of course. Since the beginning, <laughs> that that's the part of, uh, on its own. A part on its own. Uh, so to close out before our spoily corner, we have a few questions about like the podcast making process, which I'm I'm always very excited to see and and to answer. AKA AS in the Discord asked how many episodes we recorded in person versus remote. Seven? Did we do seven episodes before we uh, before we had, yeah, got stuck six, in our house? Six or seven, I think. Yeah. So we've recorded at least two maybe three uh remotely for everyone 
Yes, Brandon moved a few episodes in, so we were able to record, I think, four in person um, all together. Then the next couple, Julia was in the studio with me and Eric, and Brandon was remote. And then we took a little break and um, recently have started back up again. Uh, after the show came out, we wanted to just like see what it was like and how you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so then we've been uh, recording recently um, all remote, which is different, but I think we all know each other well enough and we had the foundation of recording the world building and the first few episodes um all together so that was really helpful and now i feel like it's not a you know it's not a thing like we're just playing the game yeah absolutely i think definitely because we all know each other so well and have have played games and recorded with it together it like it just feels natural you know like we know when you know julia's gonna have a joke or something you know thanks <laughs> <laughs> that's true i really need to prime myself before julia she winds up and does a joke uh i do think that this is to our benefit that we do a podcast like i shout out to all of my streamers out there who do it remotely and who figure it out like celeste is incredibly good at this and uh like you have like the background and you have everyone has their little box but like for podcasting like it's very nice editing so that it feels like everyone is in the same room and we all have the same microphone so we all sound the same so that's very helpful Yep. Icono Cat from Twitter asks what we do to create the feeling of a real world city and how does living in New York City affect our playing of LTC? I felt self-conscious during the world building episodes that we made so many references to New York because I'm sure that's like everyone who lives outside of it is like, oh, enough with the New York like TV and movies already. <laughs> um, but that is the context that all of us share. And so it was a really helpful analog for like oh we need the equivalent of this kind of neighborhood or you know the experiences we've had just like living in new york but also various cities of like yes you have the downtown that's empty on the weekends and blah 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 yeah and in the edit amanda too i i agree with that sentiment so i tried to to keep it more uh to the general stuff that we said in the edit so i think that was hopefully helpful and i think that like if even if we did include a lot of new york inspired stuff Lake Town City is canonically very close to New York, so you're going to see a lot of bleed through in the like cultures there because a lot of New Yorkers probably moved to Lake Town City as it was growing, so you're going to see reflections of that in the city. It's not like Boston, where Boston is its own city because it was founded before New York was, and it's not going to have the same traditions and the same culture, but because Lake Town City is a new city, it is going to be very much inspired by the people who moved to it. Yeah, 100%. Also, the fact that it is in upstate New York and the relationship between upstate New York and downstate New York and New York City on Long Island is very fraught and <laughs> weird. You can totally see what's happening during all the quarantine news, like the relationship between Governor Cuomo and our mayor, de Blasio. Like, it's really weird. The fact that LTC is up near Montreal and Vermont is a really big part of its nature and the fact that there is the tension between that city and New York City and the fact that they're connected by high-speed rail. Like, there's a literal port that takes these people in. Tegan lives in New York City. Like, there are people around here all the time, so we can't uh, ignore the presence of New Yorkers and New York City. It's something that you can't look away. Also, as this thing grows, we are interacting with the environment and, like, seasons and nature of upstate New York, which... We, I'm not going to pull back from. You know, like, if this was set in Washington, we'd probably have the same conflicts with Seattle and Portland. Or if it was set in Virginia, we would have the same issues with Baltimore and D.C. But the the region is very important to what Lake Town City is. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that these arcs are going to get set up is that, like, right now we're in fall and we're going to go to these other seasons.
seasons. Hey, winter in upstate New York has a lot of fucking snow. Yep. So get ready for some snow. Get ready for some snow in the next arc. I'll get my boots. Aggie's up at 3.30 plowing. It's not a fun time for her. <laughs> Val has a shoveling business. Val's just all about the side hustle. <laughs> Milo has never shoveled his driveway once. The uh, the people movers get really gymmed up in the snow. <laughs> so, so gymmed up. Venick asks if we ever get so into character or into the story that like arguments or awkward situations happen in game, do those spill out into real life? If so, how do we handle it? And if not, how do we prevent it? It's a good question. I don't think we've had one yet that I was mad at any of you out of character, to be fair. <laughs> no. I did look at Brandon during episode four and was like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to mess with us? <laughs> I'm used to no, that. No, guys, from, it's the spirits. It's not Brandon. I was like, this is getting really weirdly competitive, guys. And we know we all have to be in the same team after, right? <laughs> <laughs> This happened a bunch in the first campaign. This was just like when we were first starting it. I think we, we've talked about it a little bit before, but spoilers for campaign one. Uh, when Tracy nearly killed Greg when he first met him, that was like a big deal. I did not know how to deal with it. And we had to like stop and figure it out before like Greg died. But, you know, we've been doing this for a while and a lot of it is like in the game. I think that this is like a city game and... The consequences are more real. Like, we are people with lives, and you can't just, like, do whatever because it's easier to envision, like, the consequences and the repercussions of that. So, which is why I'm excited to play this game and the way that it, it moves around. But, like, we're in a lot of introductory stuff, and as we get farther, like, I'm sure bigger things will happen. So, we'll see. We also all know and trust each other and know that ultimately we want to make a great podcast uh, with a story that we all care about and let our individual players and characters make choices that are authentic to them. Like it, it never would occur to me to question the fact that any of you, like no one's trying to like fuck up the podcast or like, you know, mess up the story or make life difficult for another character. Um, And I think that that trust is built over time. And I think we had a great discussion like before we started the first actual play session where we had a conversation about trusting the characters and trusting the NPCs and like being sure that Eric and also the other players at the table are going to put us in the place that like we need to be. And by trusting each other and trusting our other players, like nothing, nothing bad is going to happen in that sense. Like no one is going to try and fuck anyone else over. Yeah, I think that's a that's a tough lesson for for me specifically, and I think a lot of like newbie D and D players is like getting rid of that sort of like suspicion of the DM, um, and just like letting them sort of put the pieces in place that they need to, and understanding that they're on the same team as you. I think I still struggle with that sometimes, you know, just because I'm a suspicious competitive person, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, I think that's something that's difficult to, to figure out. And I think there's always, you know, there's also this like balance that you have to strike if you're going to be sort of chaotic in the way that like Milo is of the randomness of like, you can't be so random that it destroys anything in the world or with the other players or for the DM. Um, there's like a, a really tight line of, of where that's appropriate and how it can affect the story. Or even just, like, being aware of it and being that kind of chaotic person and, like, knowing that you might get hit with a consequence yeah. or a punishment. Not, like, from the DM, but from the world. Yeah, that's a good and point. I think that's the big thing. I never am going to get mad at Eric for turning Tuna into a panther, you know? Like, that's – I know <laughs> right. I know going in that that is a possibility and that's going to happen. I'm just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> 
I will say also, and maybe this is like the advent of D and D content, and as this has grown so much, but like it really is like TV and movies. Like if I emotionally devastate you, like I just gave you a real good scene. You know, yeah. it's like, don't you always want the death scene or like the hard scene as an actor? Like you want your character to do weird and fun and hard and emotional shit. Like that's how I'm really seeing it is like I'm going to throw obstacles in front of you to deal with so that you have fun, like creative actor fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I felt that way when I told you about Aggie's siblings, um, because I was like, here are a lot of ways to devastate my character, and I'm just going to give them to you to have fun with, because I, I trust what you're doing, and I also, um, unlike my nature, which wants no conflicts and just to like do a jigsaw puzzle um, in, in candlelight, um, <laughs> True. <can> confirm. <laughs> that having, having conflict in the game is what makes it interesting, and having things to overcome. And now, spoily corner. Spoily corner. We can't tell you yet. Who could say? <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Uh, Joey, is Emily a Hexblade warlock? Mm. <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? I don't know. I will say, and this is going to be an answer that is going to give you more questions. Yes. Remember, with NPCs and, and she is not an enemy, but remember that I pull from all of the places. I don't just pull from the player's handbook. I pull from the monster manual and all the monsters. So I can just make a stat block of someone mm. and they're not directly related to the classes. Uh -oh. So you know that I do love using that NPC like class guide that I found a while ago. But like I have the whole all of the monster manuals and Mordenkainen's Tote of Foes and, and Xanathar's and all of these things that I can pull from. So Emily may not be a Hexblade Borlock, but Emily also may not be a class. So. Okay. Just to, just to give you a heads up. Hmm. Possibilities uh, from, oh, the whole Discord. Uh, who's Emily and what does she really want? <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, here's who, who, here's who she is. She, she's a really neat lady and she's nice. <laughs> there you go. I, oh, I, spoiled, I spoiled the campaign. She's got guys. so much capital and no one knows why. Drugs. Who was driving the ice cream truck? Why did they want to run Val and Aggie over? Where are they going next? Hmm. Hmm. I don't say. know. Who can say? Who can really say? I do love that that and I didn't talk about this, but like the fact that Val punched an ice cream truck is such so Val. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this is this is how I do it. It's my investigation role. Punch an ice cream truck. Yeah, obviously. Well if I if Incredibly I put it out of commission, I can then investigate it better. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, or Aggie's thought was like, there's only a few auto body shops in town. If an ice cream truck shows up with a dent, we're gonna know which one it was. So good. Um, I also like how people are sh just shipping everyone with everyone now <laughs> on the Discord. It's just ship city. It's like a, it's like fucking Athens up in this, up in this piece. Tuna with Milo. Tuna with Val. Tuna with Aggie. No, gross. Fr Fr Fritz and Emily. Fritz and Aggie. Aggie and Tegan. Tegan and Tuna. What? <laughs> That means we're a real property. Uh, yeah, exactly. Someone said Val and Fritz. I was like, did they even interact at all? <laughs> I don't think they did. Aggie very much wants to hang out with Fritz and brood over a beer. They're just like companions. And, and I think that would be really Maybe fun. Maybe you can call him next time during our next short rest. He's shady. That'd I don't trust fun. him. I, I don't not trust him. It's like celebrities don't want to get recognized. And yeah, he, but he didn't use any of, of his powers. So what is his power? Why is he hiding? That's true. We, we did not see his Who power. Who can say? Who can say? Who can say? 
Thank you for joining us for another After Party. We love uh, watching you live tweet and live blog in the Discord episodes as they come out. It really, uh, really makes our, our day and our week. So we will see you in one week with the next episode of Join the Party. Bye, guys. Later. Bye. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Sexy, sexy, all right. <laughs> Is there any other kind of insane, Julia? <laughs> uh, the boy band, also sexy though. So. Exactly. <laughs> there we are. Everybody, yeah. I know that's not insane. I just wanted to be a part of it because I wasn't involved. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's on. It's on brand though. Thank you. In sync is hey, it's hi. gonna be May. Sorry, Amanda, go ahead. Start the <laughs> <laughs> This is all staying in now. In the in the cut. <laughs>